With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining me. Awesome show planned for you today. Royce White's going to join me at the back end of this show, but uh, for about the first hour, again, it's going to be you and me. Uh, I have more that uh, I want to unpack about uh, the events going on in the Middle East involving Israel, Iran, Hamas, Palestine, the whole thing. I I have more that I want to say, and I feel like I'm on a bit firmer footing today uh, than I was yesterday. I appreciate all of you all that have emailed me uh, suggestions and your thoughts. I really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, You've made some great suggestions for guests. You gave me some great feedback, some things to think about. Uh, I want that to continue. You can email me at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. I want that to continue. I need to hear from you. We're in an uncertain time, and I want to invite you into this conversation in every way possible in terms of giving me feedback, guest suggestions, ideas, the whole nine. Really appreciate it. If you're listening over Apple, I need you to give me the five-star review and leave a comment uh, and, and review the show, please. Need you to do that so we can fight the algorithm. If you're watching over YouTube, Get in the comments, tell me what you think. Get in the live chat, tell me what you think. I'll be there, uh, right there with you, reading your comments in real time. Uh, Thank you so much for all the support. Uh, Today's fire starter will be unscripted, but and it's gonna go a lot of different directions. I need you to stick with me. It's all going to make sense. Before I get into the fire starter, I, I want to Uh, talk a bit about (laughs) our purpose here at Fearless. Uh, One of our main purposes, one of our main sponsors, the sponsor that we're most passionate about, according to a recent study of hundreds of post-abortive women, 60% of women reported that they would have preferred to give birth if they had received more support from others or had more financial security. And that's where Preborn steps in. Preborn is there for women in their darkest hour, deciding between the life and death of their precious child. You see, the reality is women are being pressured to make this fatal decision and are being told that their babies are just a clump of cells. Preborn welcomes women with God's love and introduces them to the beautiful life growing inside of them, which doubles their baby's chances of living. When you support Preborn, You not only support women, you empower them. 
Your donation of $28 will help a woman to make a choice that she won't have to regret for the rest of her life and gives her the ultimate blessing, life. Your love can save a life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. Or do it the Jason Whitlock way. Visit preborn.com slash fearless. That's preborn.com slash fearless. Guys, you know, this is part of our mission and our worldview. Life begins at conception. We need to be supporting preborn, whether it's $28 or $28,000, whether it's 28 cents or $28 million. Make sure you're supporting preborn. And when you do, drop me an email at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Let me take a sip of water because we're going to be here a minute. <clears throat> and, and I got a lot, a lot <laughs> that I, I want to say today. And so I, I want to start here that part of what I'm going to be talking about today is an explanation of why there's so much confusion and, and why there is so much indifference isn't the right word. People are being very cautious and indecisive. We don't know how we should feel or where we should channel our emotions, where we should, what we should be pushing our leaders to do. There's a lot of confusion. And, and so the, the reason for that confusion is, and it made me this morning think of Aesop's fable about the boy that cried wolf. And, and this is, I mean, Aesop's fable goes all the way back to ancient times and Greek and all that. It's a shepherd's boy who tended his flock not, from a, not far from a village, used to amuse himself at times in crying out, wolf, wolf. Twice, three times a trick is successful. The whole village came running out to his assistance. When all the calm returned, they, all they got was to laugh at for their pains. At last, at last, one day the wolf came indeed. The boy cried out in earnest. His neighbors, supposing him to be at his old sport, paid no heed to his cries, and the wolf devoured the sheep. So the boy learned what it was, that it was too late, that liars are not believed even when they tell the truth. So that sounds like I'm suggesting that someone is lying here. And, and I'm not. I, I, I don't know what the truth is. What I know is that we've been told so many lies over the last 70 years that when the truth finally comes, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to believe. We don't know how we should feel. And so this morning, I was looking at the back and forth between Ben Shapiro and Andrew Tate, two of the highest profile influencers in all of social media across the globe. I, I, I don't want to compare Ben Shapiro and Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate has a set of problems that we have discussed on this show. Andrew Tate is a pimp, was a pimp, and is likely going to go to jail. He's not a good guy. He is a masculinity, somewhat conservative influencer. He's, there's, there's 
crossover between his audience and Ben Shapiro's audience, believe it or not. Ben Shapiro, not something, you know, Andrew Tate, some muscular former jock kickboxer, you know, the ultimate man's man. Ben Shapiro is not that. He's a small, intellectual, uh, big brain uh, debater. He's an influencer for the conservative movement, the establishment conservative movement, and for he's an influencer, and that's here in America, and he's an influencer and someone connected to Netanyahu over in Israel. He is a voice for Israel here in America, as well as being a voice for establishment conservatism here in America. These two guys are, are going back and forth. And, and Ben Shapiro seems a bit out of character. And, and you know, they've had this tweet exchange. Here's Ben, and they can F right off. Andrew Tate responds or says, Mr. Tough Guy, let me assure you, as someone who, who, who does his own fighting, as opposed to excitedly encouraging others to do it for him while sitting at home on a comfy chair, peace is always worth a conversation. Ben Shapiro responds, let me assure you, as someone who has not pimped women and bragged about it, that morality requires those who rape women and kidnap children must be eradicated, not negotiated with. That's Ben Shapiro going back and forth with Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate is a Muslim. Ben Shapiro is a Jew. It's, it's not surprising that they're at odds with each other. But, but there is, I, I, I'm not suggesting that Ben Shapiro is in the wrong here. What I am suggesting is that we've been fed so much bad information about historic events that we have a, what, what the theme of today's show is, we're conspiracy weary. We're conspiracy leery. We, you got, the thing I thought about watching Ben Shapiro get upset with Andrew Tate and others as I've watched Ben's Twitter feed, and he seemed, he's very outraged and justifiably so, but he seems very upset that everybody doesn't have the same level of outrage, the same level of emotion about this event that he does. I've seen a lot of this where people are policing other people's thoughts and emotions about what's going on in Israel between Israel and Hamas, Israel and Iran, Israel and Palestinians. People are, hey, this is how you should feel, and we're getting all these images of the atrocities that happen in Israel, and everybody's commenting, how can you not be outraged, and this is the face of evil, and, and there's a lot of stomping of feet of like, this is it, this is the end all be all, and, and everybody must feel the exact same way that I do about this situation. And if you don't, you're part of the problem. That seems to be part of Ben Shapiro's argument. And what I would like to say to Ben, his audience, and people that think that way, 
take a step back and look at what America has experienced over the last 70 years. Look what we have experienced over the last 60, 70 years. And you wonder why we're dazed and confused and we're conspiracy weary. There's no surprise here. We've just been lied to way too many times. And that's why you'll see if you're watching, if you're if you're just listening, we have an image of the show where we're making a comparison between the movie Conspiracy Theory, Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts and the the, the cab driver that, you know, had all these crazy conspiracy theories and turned out to be right about some of them. And so we're making an analogy between that movie by using the same images instead of on our movie poster, uh, it's not Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts, it's Bin Laden and JFK. Because that's where this all starts, really, why we're conspiracy weary in this country. It starts with JFK. It starts with the assassination of JFK. That has never been appropriately explained by our government. You can't get the majority of Americans, or even right at this point, even a small minority of Americans, to authentically believe that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone and killed, assassinated our president, Kennedy. No one believes that. And we've never been given a proper explanation. We've been fed a steady stream of conspiracy theories about what happened to JFK. And, and many of them seem to have a lot of legitimacy. And when your government, to this day, 60 years later, still has all these secret classified documents that they won't release. That, oh my God, and, and, and the fact that they even classified and hid these documents at the outset, 50, 60 years ago, speaks to why, to, it's a part of why today, we don't know what to believe. We can't trust our government. And so there aren't a lot of people sitting around going, hey, nothing bad happened in Israel. We know that there were atrocities committed by a group claiming to be Hamas. We, we buy that. We've seen the images. But, but we don't know who's really responsible. And, and we're not just going to accept the government's word for that. Because we're conspiracy weary. The, the JFK, it, it has now been proven over time and has been copped to that there was a conspiracy that government agencies uh, contributed to or were a part of that led to or contributed to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And so what we have here is something bad happened to the people in Israel. People are sitting back and, and wondering, like, who's really responsible? No one's in denial that atrocity has been committed. 
people are wondering who all had a hand in that atrocity. Is, is Hamas, are they the Lee Harvey Oswald? Lee Harvey Oswald was, by all accounts, involved in a plot to assassinate JFK. No one's in denial of that. He was involved. But was he the lone gunman? Was he even the triggerman? Or was he what he said he was, a patsy? that knew what was being planned, was a part of what was being planned, but he wasn't the actual gunman. And so that is the justifiable question people have virtually any time a major tragedy happens. We start wondering about government involvement because we don't believe people are bad. We believe Governments are really, really bad. Really, really bad. What governments will do to hold on to power, to assert authority, to take away freedoms, to take away privacy, to take away our money, governments just take and take and take. This is how the American people justifiably feel. We've watched our government over the course of the last 110, 120 years just take and take and take from the American citizens, taxing people to death, involved in plots all over the world and here domestically that never get a full explanation. And so when you have a generation, there's still people alive. My mother and all of them are still alive from that era where JFK was assassinated and no one has offered up a proper explanation. To then you have a, another generation influenced by 9-11. And, and so a lot of the emotions that I'm seeing from Ben Shapiro and others as it relates to what happened in Israel and Hamas, reminds me exactly of the way I felt and many Americans felt on 9-11. And then we sat back and within a year or two, a documentary came out called Loose Change. It's an internet documentary. And it asked a bunch of questions. And people started hearing Alex Jones's voice. 9-11 was an inside job. 9-11 was an inside job. And loose change came out. It was like Alex Jones didn't sound nearly as crazy as we once thought. And so we sit here today with our government not having given us a legitimate explanation for Building 7. The third building collapsing. Was it a suicide by building? Did that building fall over in sympathy to the World Trade Towers? We've never been given an explanation. Or the explanations we've been given seem so bogus and far-fetched, they're almost laughable. And then Loose Change and other documentaries start explaining about who all profited from 9-11, who all benefited 
financially from 9-11? How did all of our intelligence fail on 9-11? How did a man in a cave in Afghanistan or wherever pull off this amazing terrorist act? It's just, it's just too hard to believe. And so you can laugh at me. You can call me a conspiracy theorist. You can call all of us conspiracy theorists. But these conspiracies make more sense than all of the secrets the government has been hiding from us and the lies the government has been telling us. You can't run a country based on secrets and, and, keep, and maintain trust with the public. And so even if we went further back to 1913 and the people that held secret meetings to create the Federal Reserve, if we go back to Dwight Eisenhower as he left office after his presidency, telling us, hey, you need to be very concerned about the military industrial complex and a secret society and a secret group of powerful people that are actually controlling things. That was the president of the United States, a war hero that warned us. And then right shortly after he tells us this, JFK gets assassinated. And we're supposed to believe Lee Harvey Oswald did it by himself and shot him from behind and did, did all these crazy. I'm just, so, we're conspiracy weary. We're conspiracy leery. We don't know what to believe because we have no reason to trust our very secretive government. I, I, <laughs> I get, and I'm not diminishing, the terrible events that happened in Israel. But if you're wondering why people feel exhausted, people feel confused, people don't know what to think, it's not that hard to understand. It's just not that hard to understand. They have been, governments have been exploiting people and using tragedies to steal our freedoms and our privacy. 9-11, they come in with the Patriot Act. We, we surrendered all of our privacy. And for what? Are we safer? They can spy on any and all of us for any reason. Allegedly, between the United States and Israel, we have the best surveillance, the best security, the best everything, the best CIA, the best whatever, all, all these agencies that are supposed to keep us safe. They couldn't stop a man in a cave from orchestrating two planes flying into the World Trade Center towers. And now, and I'm sorry, this, this is me questioning the government, not the people. So miss me with any of the anti-Semitic charges not remotely questioning the people. I'm questioning the government and the agencies. Governments are wicked. And we should be very suspicious of them.
And so I'm supposed to believe that Hamas, I'm just supposed to take it that Hamas could pull off these atrocities, that it could evade detection from Israeli agencies, American agencies, that, that we finance to the nth degree. They take all of our tax dollars. They provide it to the military industrial complex. They're supposed to protect us. It's supposed, what do they got in Israel? What they call an iron dome? But some jackals from Hamas can, par can parachute in and kill women and children? Why did we give up our privacy? Why did we give up all of our freedom? If it was going to be this easy for terrorists to attack us. And, and I say us because, again, just as I talked about yesterday, we've opened our borders to all of these crazies, all the people that hate America, we're just letting them walk through our southern border and our northern border. We're just letting them in. We surrender our freedom. We surrender our taxes. The, the way we're taxed here in America is immoral and un-American, the way we're being forced. And, and I'm speaking, I, I got to speak for others. And, and so I, I don't want any of the people say, I'm just going to say it. The way we're forcing people to live on credit, that's unbiblical. That's sinful. That's usury. We're, we're, we got credit card companies loaning out incredible amounts of money at interest rates that are ridiculous. If Jesus was here, he'd be turning over every table in the world. Look at it, what we're doing and how we're exploiting people. Through overtaxation and force it inflation and forcing them to live on credit. Our government is wicked. This system that we've devised, that we've fallen into, these puppet masters that have enriched themselves and love war because it makes them richer and richer and richer. You wonder why we're sitting here going, hey man, Something horrible happened in Israel. Who's profiting from it? Who's responsible for it? Who allowed it to happen? Those are natural questions. And I get that if you're Ben Shapiro and you're friends with ben, Benjamin Netanyahu and you got inside information and you're someone here in America that speaks for Israel and for Netanyahu, I get it. You got more information than the rest of us. But those of us that don't have all that insider information, all we do is sit back and look like, wow, we've been on an emotional roller coaster for 60 years. Leaders getting assassinated, terrorists doing things on 9-11 that just seem unprecedented and unbelievable. I'm leaving out even 
smaller. Iran-Contra under Reagan. Oliver North. We're, we're using cocaine money to fund Contras to all of this stuff done in secret. There's no transparency here in America. And so there's no trust. And so people are confused and they don't know what to think. We all agree what happened. Horrible. The people that did it. Horrible. Who allowed it? Who's benefiting from it? Who wants to promote perhaps a World War Three? We have questions about that. We're conspiracy weary. I, I and and just to put all my cards on the table, so that I'm gonna give you all the information you need to ridicule me and to, uh, you know, laugh at me and undermine my argument because. I believe in transparency. I, I want to be evaluated fairly. I, I, I'm going to leave myself open to criticism and talk about one of the uh, documentaries that I've watched in the last year that's had the most impact on me. It, it, it's, it's, it's like it's got a cult-like following. It's not as popular as a lot of documentaries, it's received, as far as I can tell, no mainstream support. But it's called Everything is a Rich Man's Trick. And it's mostly about the JFK assassination. But it's really about secret societies and the powerful men that are pulling puppet strings all over the world here in America, and how they have benefited from war. And so I would suggest to anyone in this audience, go watch it and write me emails and tell me why that documentary is full of BS and whoever put it together is a nut job or whatever. But it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is the type of information we have been turning to because our government won't be honest with us. If you keep the JFK files a secret and keep that information away from us and won't tell us what happened with the assassination of a president, was the CIA involved? Was the FBI involved? Was Lyndon Johnson involved? When you keep all of that information secret from us, we have no choice but to distrust you and look for alternative theories and reasons why. That documentary, Everything is a Rich Man's Trick, you got to watch it. It, 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 it. it walks you through from their perspective. Not just JFK, but like, how it's all connected to the war machine and how uh, we would 
finance, the Ford Motor Company, in bed with Adolf Hitler. And how many of our political elites in bed with Adolf Hitler. We built Hitler up. And then tore him down when we didn't need him anymore. That's just a fact. And so take Hitler, one of the worst people in the history of the world. Many of us here in America, many of our powerful elites supported him, including the Ford Motor Company. That's why, because we, we now have all of this information, this understanding about what's really been going on and who's been benefiting from these atrocities. And so we don't know what to think. We don't know who really to be outraged at. Is Hamas just a tool for someone far more powerful, for people trying to promote a World War III type scenario? We don't know. And, and so if we don't get a level of transparency from our government and government leaders and institutions, Moving forward, we're all going to be skeptical of everything. We have no choice. We can't trust the media. We can't trust our government. We have no choice but to take a wait and see approach. Because I went through this personally with 9-11. Remember exactly where I was when it happened, when I heard about it. I was on radio in Kansas City. I know how I felt. I know how I talked at that time. And then over the course of years, being walked through and, and, and being made to understand like, wow, I, I can't think of the guy's name. I should have looked it up before today's show. The, the, the man that took out these insurance policies on the World Trade Center, got them finalized just days before 9-11, made billions of dollars. Double dipped, charged them twice. He had insurance on the World Trade and, and he made them pay him twice because he said there were two different attacks, building one and building two. He got paid off both of them. Sued to get paid off both of them. The intelligence failure that allowed 9-11 to happen. The intelligence failure that potentially allowed this thing in Israel to happen. The intelligence failures that allowed JFK to get shot. We got the best finance, Defense Department, and Pentagon, and all, all the secret agencies. We got the best in the world, smartest people. What have they, st what have they stopped? What, what are we getting for all of this money? And for all the privacy we've surrendered? If they can tap my phone, at their discretion. And, the, and they're surveilling everybody, but they can't stop anything. I'm sorry, I'm going to be skeptical. I'm going to have questions about what's really going on here. And that's not diminishing what happened in Israel. It's an atrocity.
but people are, are just, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to declare another war based off a terrorist act that I can't be completely confident that governments weren't involved in or didn't look the other way or didn't want them to actually happen. So they could, so they could come in and justify a war on terror, justify taking away privacy and freedoms from citizens. When, <clears throat> so that's one part of my argument. I, I have a second part I want to get into that relates to everything as a rich man's trick, that relates to everything that, that, that I'm talking about. And it's more about the media and, and just the role that it plays. But before I do that, though, I, I want to take care of a, another one of our great sponsors and one of the, the most authentic sponsor that I could recommend for you guys is Liver Health Formula. As I told you, I've been taking this stuff for more than two years. Six, seven months ago, these guys jumped on board as a sponsor. Uh, the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver are three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. The American Liver Fo uh, Foundation says that 100 million Americans have fatty liver like me, which means many people are at risk. We know everything. We throw everything at our livers. Cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, cigarettes. That's why so many of us have a sluggish fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy. For decades now, your liver helped you with 500 key functions every day. It's time for you to help your liver. There's a solution, Liver Health Formula, an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. Manufactured right here in the US of A and approved by American doctors. So if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, and transform how you look and feel, try Liver Health Formula and receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce sugar cravings when you order today. Try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash Jason and claim your free bonus gift. That's getliverhelp.com slash Jason. So <clears throat> I, I, I want to circle back to the media. And, and I'm going to pick up uh, where I did, where I left off yesterday. And, 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 and this will seem silly. And, and, and you'll be like, well, where, where is he going with this? But, but trust me, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm making a point about why there's this cynicism, why there's this weariness as it relates to conspiracies and why there's this distrust towards institutions that we need to rely on. We need a small government that we, well, we can never trust them, but if we have a small federal government and then states that act as watchdogs over the small federal government, we have a chance. But, but the institution we need to tie it all together so that one, we, people would even understand why we need a small federal government, why we don't need these large bureaucracies, why we don't need these large sprawling uh, 
federal institutions that are out all over the world causing mischief and chaos. Why we don't actually probably need a CIA. We don't need an FBI. We can't trust these organizations. And the people that should be explaining that to you and us is the corporate media. But that institution has fallen. We can't trust corporate media any more than we can trust the government. And so I'm not going to play the clip, but I've shown this clip to you guys before of go back to 1963, go back to JFK, go back to Dan Rather. He was just a young, unknown reporter at that time, and they used him in 1963 to sell the lie that a lone gunman had shot and killed JFK. They, they, they gave Rather access to the Zapruder film, and Dan Rather went on national TV at the time, and this is at a time when there's only three television networks, and, and said, argued that, yeah, when Kennedy got shot, and this is before people had access, had seen the Zapruder film. So he went on TV and just lied, thinking no one would ever see the Zapruder film, and said Kennedy's head went forward and then back. And, and he moved his body forward and then back when he said this. And this is to sell the lie that Kennedy got shot from behind. And Dan Rather then, based off that lie, based on cooperating with whoever put the battery in his back, corporate media, the CIA, Lyndon Johnson, the FBI, I don't know who, but whoever put that battery in Dan Rather's back then made him become the Walter Cronkite of his era. He has this multi-million dollar television career as the news journalist of record. It's, it's, that's what Dan Rather got for lying and selling out uh, the American people. And so ever since then, it's just been a fall downhill for the American media. But, but even people, even as it fell, Corporate media used to cover and uncover truth. There was still room for that. They used to tell small little lies, even though Dan Rather told a big one there. But, but there still was room for the truth within corporate media. And so in my lifetime, when I worked as a journalist, when I worked in the newspaper industry, I was allowed to expose truth. That's now all been outlawed. Everything is about narrative and sticking to a script. And, and the failure of, and the corruption and the collapse of American media and corporate media is why we're in the position we're in today. It's why we don't know who to trust because our primary source of information never tells us the truth. And so, this will sound small, but I want to go back to the point I made yesterday about 60 Minutes. Because in my lifetime, 60 Minutes, 30 years ago, they did some serious journalism. They uncovered things. They, not all of it was great journalism, but occasionally they did great journalism and embarrassed powerful government entities. 
And so I want to first play, not, not, not the Rich Paul, I want to first play some old school uh, 60 Minutes, back when uh, they actually did actual journalism. Play, play both of these clips back to back. I think one is from 1993 and one is from 2003. This is the kind of television journalism 60 Minutes used to do. A ton of cocaine, pure cocaine worth hundreds of millions, is smuggled into the United States. Sound familiar? Not the way this ton of cocaine got here. According to what the former head of the Drug Enforcement Administration told Mike Wallace, this drug shipment got here courtesy of what he calls drug trafficking by the CIA in partnership with the Venezuelan National Guard. While rumors of CIA involvement in drug trafficking have circulated for years, no one in the U.S. government has ever before publicly charged the CIA with this kind of wrongdoing. And it's not the kind of accusation anyone in government would make without thinking long and hard. Let me understand what you're saying. A ton of cocaine was smuggled into the United States of America by the Venezuelan National Guard? Well, they... In cooperation with the CIA? That's what... That's exactly what appears to have happened. After dropping more than 28,000 bombs on Iraq, the United States has now begun the business of rebuilding the country. And it promises to be quite a business. With at least $60 billion to be spent over the next three years, the Iraqi people won't be the only ones benefiting. The companies that land the biggest contracts to do the work will cash in big time. Given all the taxpayer money involved, you might think the process for awarding those contracts would be open and competitive. Well, so far, it's been none of the above. And the early winners in the sweepstakes to rebuild Iraq have one thing in common, lots of very close friends in very high places. Like Halliburton, the Houston-based energy services and construction giant whose former CEO, Dick Cheney, is now vice president of the United States. Even before the first shots were fired in Iraq, the Pentagon had secretly awarded Halliburton subsidiary Kellogg Brown and Root a two-year no-bid contract to put out oil well fires and to handle other unspecified duties involving more damage to the country's petroleum industry. You see what I'm pointing to here? 60 Minutes and, and corporate media used to be at odds with the CIA and the Defense Department. We used to occasionally push back against the CIA and the Defense Department. They used to push back against the military-industrial complex from time to time. First clip was from 1993. The second one was from 2003. So the 2003, shortly two years after 9-11 in 2001, we're still seeing the media push back against the military-industrial complex, against the surveillance industry, against the CIA, the FBI, the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, exposing their corruption, taking on someone like Dick Cheney and Halliburton. This was just 20 years ago. Occasionally, the media actually represented the people and fought back against these huge government agencies because the media used to understand that the government is actually the enemy. Now, 
60 minutes does not get anywhere near the truth. It does not go close to the truth. It's now part of the apparatus that 60 minutes and all of the media, corporate media, are all in bed with the government, all in bed with the military industrial complex. That's why yesterday when I brought up, and we'll play the clip again, because I'm gonna unpack it a little bit more, but I wanna play the clip again from yesterday. 60 minutes this past Sunday with the world headed towards uh, a possible World War III. 60 Minutes has a story on selling a clown as this great innovator in professional basketball representation, Rich Paul. And they're selling him as, hey, he's a street hustler that's now a disruptor in sports agency, and this stuff is nowhere near the truth, and I'm gonna unpack it in a little detail, but I wanna play the clip of, of what they played of Rich Paul. It's your dad's store just right in here. Yeah, and this was, this was my world. This now empty corner was a hotbed of activity, legal and illegal. It was a shootout right here on this corner. Big Rich taught his son to always think two steps ahead. He scraped together the money to send him to a Catholic high school away from the neighborhood. Still, there was no avoiding the streets. You don't know what you're in. That's your norm. That's my norm. Sardines out the can. That was today's version of tuna tartare on the Waldorf rooftop. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this was my education, though. This was, this was my Harvard, my Michigan, my Morehouse. And the same things I learned on this corner, I take into the boardroom. Because the one thing this teaches you that I don't think you can learn from those institutions is people, characters. And on these streets, it's no better way to learn character because they're coming with everything. His dad taught him another skill, a way to make money if all else fails, with a pair of dice. Paul and his best friend, Edward Givens, were regulars at an open-air casino in the park. Fifty people crowded around this little area, and the energy was high. It was, it was an arena. And Rich Paul was a natural. And how much would you earn? I mean... A slow day was $1,000. And a not slow day? Uh, no, four or five. Four or five thousand dollars. Yeah. Easy. When Easy. you were 14, 15, 16. Oh, yeah. But what did you learn from this experience? You gain a resilience here. We won majority of the time. But you also had to learn how to lose. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to connect this. Be patient with me. Everything that they did in their 13, 14 minute expose on Rich Paul, NBA agent, LeBron James BFF, everything they said in that 13, 14 minutes was virtually a lie. All bogus, BS, untrue. That, that 60 minutes, which had been the gold standard of television journalism, and I bring this up because this is all connected in terms of where people have gone. If you watch Everything is a Rich Man's Trick, if you watch Loose Change, if you just follow any of Alex Jones's narrative, if you follow any of this, most people have come to accept 
that there's a hidden hand or hidden hands, an Illuminati in control of everything. They pick and choose who gets to rise, who gets to fall. They've eliminated merit, basically. And so that's what happens when you create a world of secrecy and secret societies and secret uh, institutions and secret organizations that actually control everything. Cut little deals. Who's going to get rich? Who's going to remain poor? Who's going to get killed? Who's going to become the next Walter Cronkite? If you do this, if you go on TV and lie about the Sapruder film, you're going to have a 30-year television career as the lead anchor on CBS. That's the Illuminati. That's the hidden society. And are they Freemasons or what? Who knows? Are they skull and bones people? But it's all secret societies. That's why we're conspiracy weary, because we know that merit has been eliminated along with truth. When you eliminate truth and transparency and facts, you're also eliminating merit and you're allowing a small group of people to dictate who gets the big piece of the chicken, who gets to be successful. And so that's what Rich Paul is benefiting from, the hidden hand, the secret society, the Freemasons or whomever, the people that get to decide, you know what, 60 Minutes, we want you to uh, portray this person as an innovator and a disruptor and the smartest man in the NBA. It's all a lie. It, the, the lie is so obvious. If you watch the 60 Minutes piece, you're, you're looking at a guy pretending and 60 Minutes is selling this guy as if like, oh, yeah, he hung out on street corners and dealt dope and shot dice. And that's what made him this great NBA agent. And then they they stack those lies or on top of that lie. They stack these things that did not happen in the if you were not playing the full clip, but in the 60 Minutes deal. They sell the fact, and Rich Paul talks about, yeah, Darius Garland and Eric Bledsoe, I got them these incredible deals. I outsmarted everybody. I did X, Y, and Z. There's no one in NBA circles that believes that Rich Paul did anything for Eric Bledsoe. Everybody in NBA circles knows Mark Termini, Longtime uh, agent out of Ohio, probably in his 70s or 80s now. He masterminded all of that for Garland, for Eric Bledsoe. That's who put those deals together. Rich Paul wasn't even involved. Did, did Mark, Mark Termini was the brains behind Clutch Sports. He led his agency. He partnered up with Rich Paul and let Rich Paul be the face of it because LeBron has this vision of his boys, his his best friends. They're going to be I'm going to platform them and I'm going to make them power figures in the sports world. Rich Paul. Many people believe and there's evidence. 
is arguably the most incompetent agent in the history of professional sports. Has no qualifications, has no idea what he's doing, but he gets to stand there as a prop for LeBron James and all the marketing money that can be thrown behind uh, LeBron James and Rich Paul, and then they get someone like 60 Minutes to sell the lie and the myth. 60 Minutes, used to, that's not what they used to do. They used to expose fraud, and they would expose a fraud like Rich Paul and what's being sold to people. That's what they used to do. That's what journalism used to be about. Now it's about selling frauds, and it's about promoting this world, this belief that in this new world we're constructing, where these hand, this handful of elites and, and government officials, they're going to pick and choose who is successful, who, who, who gets to live at the top of the food chain. And there are idiots who are buying this, that this is better than merit. Because, oh my, look, look what happened to Rich Paul in this system. This is better than merit. This is, they let this man end this interview with 60 Minutes talking about what he earned. And it feels like I earned this. And, and that's how I knew they were like, they're throwing it in our face. They know they're selling a lie. The guy sat during the 60 Minutes interview and pretended, insinuated, like, oh God, the things I did, uh, people got upset about because they had never seen anyone like me who looked like me do this. And so here's Rich Paul, who might be 40 years old, I'd have to go check, early 40s or whatever, but they're portraying him as if he's the first black super agent. And, and again, I'm 56 and I'm just old enough to know better. And, and I'm just like, hey man, there was a guy in the NFL by the name of Eugene Parker. He represented Deion Sanders. He represented Rod Woodson. He represented a bunch of NFL superstars, but he partnered with Deion Sanders and they built Maximum Sports. And, and, and Eugene Parker empowered uh, his friend, Roosevelt Barnes, because Eugene Parker was a, a basketball player of, of some skill. And then he took his buddy, Roosevelt Barnes, who played football and basketball at Purdue. And then another friend of theirs, uh, I think his name's Craig McKenzie, these guys, Eugene Parker went to law school at Valparaiso and, and built this mega agency, Maximum Sports. Deion Sanders was his version of LeBron James, except Eugene Parker was actually educated and a lawyer and a great agent. Represented everybody. He's dead now. I think he died in 2016. But when you want to talk about black super agents, Eugene Parker was the guy. You go over to the NBA, there's a guy who's still killing it, crushing it 
right now, Bill Duffy. Bill Duffy has represented Steve Nash, Yao Ming. I ran across Bill Duffy in 1994 when he was just in his early 30s, and he and another black agent, Aaron Goodwin, had started their agency together, and they represented Chris Webber. This is back in my Ann Arbor days in 1994. Bill Duffy's Agency right now is one of the most powerful in the NBA. He's partnered, I believe, with uh, WME. They represent, he represents Luka Doncic. This guy's been killing it since the 80s. He played basketball at the University of Minnesota, then transferred, I believe, to Santa Clara. He... he uh, became best friends at 15 years old with Ronnie Lott. Him and Ronnie Lott grew up in the same neighborhood, same area, became best friends as 15-year-olds. Ronnie, when, 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 uh, when Bill Duffy went first, first Bill Duffy got drafted into the NBA, that washed out. He, go, he starts working for Leonard Armato, I believe, who was representing Ronnie Lott. And Ronnie Lott helped Bill Duffy get the wide receiver Webster Slaughter as his first client. And then it was on from there. And then Bill Duffy becomes one of the most powerful agents in the history of the NBA. He, he, he's represented all these international players. American born as well but he's really crushed it with these international players. He's a black dude. And I'm looking at 60 Minutes, pretend like Rich Paul has done something that these other guys haven't already done. And I'm just sitting there thinking about the lies that are being sold by corporate media and the people that are the real puppet masters that get to determine, like, you know what, we want to portray Rich Paul, a guy who went to, who's exaggerating his street hustle life like a rapper. We want to portray him as the blueprint and the brains and the disruptor and the guy that opened all these doors for everybody else. And he, he reinvented agency for the NBA. It's all a lie. And everybody in the NBA circles, in the know, they know this. No one can say it because they're all afraid of LeBron and they're all afraid of being called racist. But again, who the puppet masters want clowns front and center. They want clowns as role models and idols. They want the message out there. Don't go to school. Don't invest in yourself. Be a jag off and hopefully we'll pick you for the lottery. Maybe you'll run into LeBron James or the next iteration of LeBron James at an airport and we'll make you the face of something. We'll let you pretend like you built a multi-billion dollar sports agency. They've destroyed merit with their lies. And, and this all, all of it leads to socialism and communism. 
small handful of elites that get to decide how much success you have. Small handful of elites controlling government institutions and deciding what you eat, when you eat, where you live, where you rent from, what movies you can go see, how much privacy you have. This is all connected. They're normalizing you giving up your freedom. The freedom that the ancestors that you feel so connected to that anytime someone references slavery, oh, a sharp pain goes through your body. Your ancestors sacrifice for a level of freedom that we are just throwing away and handing over to people and to systems that have a track record of exploitation, abuse, and oppression that goes on from the virtually Genesis all the way through Revelation. It's, and so that's just where we're at. And, and, and I apologize if I haven't shown enough emotion, if I haven't gone to Twitter and said, finish them and bomb Hamas and the Palestinians uh, to death. I, 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 I don't have the emotional energy for that. I, I just, I don't trust any of them. I don't trust any of these government organizations to do the right thing. There's too much proof that they don't do the right thing. That any wickedness we see, they're involved in. And so, yes, I recognize and see the wickedness of what happened in Israel. I have no confidence that government agencies weren't involved in that wickedness, won't use that wickedness to steal more freedom, more privacy, more rights from us. So I don't know what to think. I, I don't know what, I don't know what to root for. And, and I get the people that, that say, and I apologize for saying this, because again, what Hamas did, and these people, absolutely wrong and an atrocity. But I, I'm sorry, I feel like we're all victims here. Everybody, to these oppressive governments, these oppressive elites that are puppet mastering all of this. I can't, I'm not going to speak for them. I'm not going to... Uh, pretend like they're the good guys. I, I, I can't do it. I can't pretend. I don't trust the American government. And, and I, I don't know anything about Israel's government, but I don't trust them. They're a government. And, and so I'm going to land the plane this way and then we're going to bring Royce in. I circle all this back to why it's hard for me to give up on Donald Trump.
And I know that's going to irritate a, a lot of you. But <laughs> he's the only thing I've seen that wants to take on the establishment and the status quo and the global elites in a real way. I, I look at everybody else, Ron DeSantis, and think it's great what he did in Florida. But this whole system of secrecy and secret societies and hidden hands and hidden agendas, it all needs to come down. When I look at them, they're prosecuting Trump over hidden documents or whatever, mishandling hidden documents. We don't need any more hidden documents. We need more transparency. When I look at what we did to Edward Snowden, what we've looked, done to Julian Assange, I don't trust these guys. And do I fully trust Trump? Absolutely not. But, but he's the only one out there, RFK a little bit, Vivek a little bit, who's out there like, hey man, we got a swamp here. We've got a government and global elites that are completely out of control and exploiting all of us. So I guess if I had to land anywhere, that, that's, that would be my thought. And, and that makes me, I look at this situation and go, yeah, we need Trump. And, and this dude is far from perfect. Far from. I, I wish he was better behaved and, and not an idiot. But we got to have some transparency. I, I, I like an authentic person. And, and Trump, with all of his flaws, he's authentic at least. He's showing you his flaws. He's a flaw with way too much ego. But, but, but what I don't like are the people that pretend like they have no ego. They pretend like they're not megalomaniacs. That's who really spooks me, the people hiding. Trump, for better or for worse, is letting all of his stupidity hang out there. I, I have such a thirst, and I think the American people have such a thirst for authenticity, realness. That's what makes Trump attractive, because all of this other stuff is fake. All of it is manipulated behind the scenes. They're putting... They, a, a small group of people are deciding everything, and I want it exposed, and I want it ended so that I can trust our leaders. But right now, I have no trust. Uh, I'm going to drink a little water, and when we come back, <clears throat> Royce White's going to join us. Next. Brett Favre and the Patriot Way, previously on Fearless. 
Do you think Bill Belichick has passed his expiration date, perhaps, with the way kids are today and the way NFL contracts are today? I think it's dead unless you have a Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. Um, you, you got the players that buy in. And, and can play. I think that's the key. You got to have the players. And I'm not knocking his players, but he doesn't have a Tom Brady out there. Uh, I think. I think. He, I just think that they're mediocre. Uh, I mean, he he definitely rules with an iron fist. Um, and. And he's, it's a new crop of players. You know, they're young. All right, welcome back. Time for some Royce White. Uh, Royce, uh, I'm a little bit out of breath. I've been talking nonstop for more than an hour. Uh, I'm not as in good a shape as you, Roy, so I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a little winded from talking. Uh, and so, Royce, my argument is that there's a weariness from all the secretive nature of our governments and officials that we've been through too much over the last 60 years, unexplained events like JFK's assassination to hard-to-believe events like what happened on 9-11 and Building 7 falling out of sympathy or suicide because of the World Trade Center towers falling. Mm-hmm. And, and so people are, are looking over at Israel and Hamas, and we know an atrocity happened. We're just not confident on, well, who allowed it, who benefits from it, and, and, and were government agencies potentially involved, and so we don't know what to think. We know there was an atrocity and and are outraged by that atrocity, but I don't know if I feel confident that I fully know who is all responsible for that atrocity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree with you 100%. Um, Let's try and work through some of it. I hope we have some time here because this is about as complicated. We got plenty of time. This, this this is about as complicated a situation as we could we could possibly deal with. I mean, even the the Russia Ukraine conflict has its its uh its constraints. It's pretty pretty straightforward what we're dealing with there, and and it's not unrelated to this at all. But but you know people people have a better a better grasp of what's happening there. This is a, a triple cross and, and quadruple cross to the max. Um, but, but, but first, before I go there, let me just say, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with everybody who's affected by this for sure, whether they be residents of Israel, whether they be Palestinians, whether they be people in the region who have constantly been affected by, by the conflict that, that transpires there over a number of decades. Uh, my thoughts and prayers are with them. The great TJ Klein, who was my teammate in the big three is playing right now in Israel. And I've had a number of friends and, and coworkers who've played in Israel. It's one of the best pro basketball leagues in the world, Amari Stoudemire being one of them. And I love what Amari Stoudemire had to say uh, to BLM and the people who are, you know, outright supporting Palestine. Um, so, so that's more personal. But from a political standpoint, I think the first and most important thing 
to lay out is as American citizens, there's what we're watching and, and what our involvement should be, what our thinking should be. And from, from the start, there's no way that we can fight a forefront war on the Eurasian landmass. And Israel will be the second of four dominoes to fall that will completely crush America in fighting a forefront war on the Eurasian landmass. You got the Ukraine, you got Israel, you got Taiwan, and a close fourth and maybe fifth is obviously South Korea, North Korea, but uh, uh, you know, a dark horse in the matter is um, India and Pakistan and, and the Kashmir, the northern uh, border there in India, which is always in contention as well. And it'd be interesting to see where things shook out in a skirmish between India and Pakistan. I would venture to guess America would try and stay neutral as long as possible, although our real national interests are more aligned with India Given that, given that China is such an existential threat and Pakistan really does the bidding of China. Um, so, so that's first and foremost. As American citizens, as America in general, we cannot fight a forefront war. We can't afford to go to war with Iran. It's just, it, it's, it, we can't do it. Number one, it sets a precedent, a dangerous precedent around all the issues there. Uh, but, but number two, this is how the Roman Empire fell. I mean, this is verbatim how the Roman Empire died. They tried to defend too many military outposts. And by the time the barbarians, I'm not saying who the barbarians are, we'll talk about that in a moment, I'm sure. But but by the time the barbarians had gathered together and and, and uh, raided uh, or or stormed Rome, there was nobody left to defend it or there weren't enough people to, to defend it. Um, and then it became this sort of, uh, you know, mashup state of of, uh, of warlords. And so, you know, that that's what we're dealing with right now. We have 2.5 million undocumented people coming into our country, flooding across our own border right now. Some of them military age men. We don't know who those people are. We don't know who those people are. You know, respectfully, with, with 9-11 and all the people we lost there, we don't necessarily understand how those men got into the country still. And now we have uh, thousands of times of men in the same military age coming across the border right now. Um, and, and so we can't fight a forefront war in Asia at all. I mean, I don't care if we were full capacity, but we certainly can't do it with 2.5 million people coming across our own border. So that's, that's my opening shot and, and we can sort out the rest from there. Royce, what do you say to, and I'm not gonna put pawn this off on other people, I'll, people like me, who feel just like uh, I don't know how to feel. I, I, I'm, I'm not rushing to Twitter to express outrage. I, 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 I want to sit back and let things play out more. I'm, I, I certainly think an atrocity happened. But, but I just have a skepticism that makes me just want to sit back before I say anything too much on the record about what should and shouldn't be done. And, and there seems to be this policing of, of you must feel this way, you must express this, you must. And when I think about Nikki Haley screaming, finish them, finish them on television, I, it just all seems inappropriate to me. I, 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 gotta, I want more information Right. I want to be more deliberate because of everything we've gone through in the last 20 years. 
look, there, there is what we've been shown and there's what's really going on. And I've tried to stress that many times on this show. And many people are so consumed, not you, but I mean, people in the audience and really the American population writ large are so consumed with other things. They don't really want to have to deal or confront the fact that there is what we're being shown and there's what's going on. Now, people will loosely agree that there's something more taking place in all of these matters, especially geopolitics. But they don't really want to have to have to carry that burden, especially as an individual citizen. And that's partly where this thing has gone off the rails. And I mean both Israel and Palestine, but all of our geopolitics. Um, so, you know, the the intention of the mainstream media um, is to make you want to pick a side. Now, when it comes to Palestine and Israel specifically, um, if you're free Palestine or support Israel, full stop in either direction, I get it. It's safe, but it, it's it just lets me know you're not serious. Uh, and, and, you know, anytime you have a two-choice narrative, one party always wins regardless of who has the ball in their hands. And in this case, we know who benefits. I mean, it's not a mystery who benefits here. The military-industrial complex benefits. And people will say, oh, the military-industrial complex, there you go again. Well, yeah, I've been saying it for two years now, and here we are on the brink of World War IV. This ain't World War III. World War III was a silent war of misinformation that we all lost. It's over. We lost that war. We, got, we were caught sleep. We slept for 60, 70 years while the technology grew, while the propaganda grew, while elitism and globalism grew. That war is finished. We're going into World War Four. We're going into the fourth turning. We're going into the fourth industrial revolution. And in this war, yeah, sure, Palestine and Israel could be the could be the crack off. Um, they want you to feel a certain way. Now, when we get down to the details of it, Hamas claimed responsibility for the attack. So whether Hamas is responsible or not, whether there are more players involved behind the scenes or not, you have to take their willingness to 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 claim uh, responsibility for the attack for some for some type of face value. Because even if they weren't involved, which they they were involved, they did it. But even if they weren't, if you would take responsibility for such an atrocity, that's an indictment of you just as grave. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 you know, if you're, you know, if your best friend goes to kill somebody in cold blood and you take credit for it just because of your ideology, something's wrong with you. You got big problems. OK, so that that's that's one piece. But the more interesting piece, and I think what you and many others in the America First or MAGA movement are, are starting to question is like, how much money have we given Israel over the years, over this 60 to 70 year um, uh, period uh, since since? the whole deal began. And, and when you ask that question, you, you should start to be insulted by what the mainstream media and the Nikki Haley's are trying to peddle to you. And, and that is that um, the entire Israel defense system, the, the entire Israel intelligence apparatus was taking the day off because of holiday. Fine. I don't buy it. Number one, I don't buy that the, that the military arm and the intelligence arm of the of, of the Israeli defenses observe Jewish holidays so, so respectfully that they completely let their guard down when they're surrounded by their enemies per the narrative. Right. Um, that's very hard to, to, to believe. Um, but let's even accept that. I mean, let's just say the IDF takes a break on Jewish holidays and their intelligence is completely dark. What about all the other Western countries that are aligned with, with Israel and, and, and intelligence? Uh, what about um, America, number one, mo more than anyone? Uh, but how about MI6? How about Interpol? How about 
uh, uh, you know, the Aussies and, and the, the rest of the five eyes. All of them are observing Jewish holiday. And, and I say that not to say it's not possible that we don't have a radical incompetence in our intelligence and military industrial complex, because I do think some of that is the case. And Jack Posobiec talked about how the intelligence communities aren't really what you think they are. However, the point that American citizens should, should take home from this is if our intelligence is that incompetent, we should repeal the Patriot Act tomorrow. We should repeal the Patriot Act tomorrow because it has been it has been proven a failure. And also, we should start to question the overall amount of aid that we give to any of these foreign nations in the interest of our vital natural uh, national interest uh, and the power we give over to the military industrial complex to keep us safe in general. Because obviously they have failed yet again. There's no way that 5,000 rockets could be loaded up on the on the wall of Israel and nobody know about it. I mean, if that's if that's how bad our intelligence and surveillance is, um, we, we have big problems. We have big questions. We need big, big audits and we need need big forensic accountings of, of what took place. Royce, that is you're hitting at one of my main points in terms of here in America, we surrender an incredible amount of tax revenue to pay for the military industrial complex and to finance our government. Since 9-11, we've surrendered our privacy for safety, our freedom for safety. What are we getting for these sacrifices? This is the point you've been making and we've been making on, the, on this show forever. We just keep handing over our freedoms and rights and privacy. What are we getting in return? Debt. Debt. That's what we're getting. We're getting debt, and pretty soon we'll get a jumpsuit with a gulag number, also. And 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 look, I've said it before, and this is dark. People don't want, you know. Right now, everybody wants to believe things are so. Things are fine. It'll all go back to normal. America always turns the corner. The economy may turn the corner, and it may turn the corner. I said on my podcast last night when when talking about this issue, um, the only way that we could win a forefront war in Asia on the Eurasian landmass is if. The, the greatest um, the greatest alliance of, 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 of nations came together to support that effort. And, and they underwrote uh, that war initiative through a, an, an agreement about currency, right? Which would probably come with a restructuring and recreation of the entire global monetary system. Uh, then we could potentially win the war. But that doesn't work without an all-out totalitarian global police state. And people have to understand that we're about to make that choice when the Nikki Haley's go out on television and peddle a, a specific a specific narrative about this conflict. They are walking you towards the gallows. OK, they're OK with the all out global totalitarian police state. However, it comes. It could come by way of free Palestine, support Israel. They're behind the scenes pulling the strings They're They're pulling. I mean, look, how do. OK. I'm sorry. Let, let me go back a, a step here. The war we're in right now, the war that nobody really has time to discuss with the American people, is a war with um, the Russia-China-Iran alliance. 
The Russia-China-Iran alliance is known as the Iron Triangle. Why? Because it's unbreakable. What the Chinese have done alongside the Russians and the Iranians is they've reversed Mackinder's Rhode Island theory. John Halford Mackinder in 1905 wrote a document, a, a political thesis called Mackinder's Rhode Island, Mackinder's theory, Mackinder's Rhode Island. Uh, th- he was a British intellectual. He was a British academic. And he did this on be- at the behest of the crown. And basically, essentially what the what the theory stated was that the 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 evolution of transportation would would basically um, make naval super- naval power nations obsolete in the future when it came to dominating the Eurasian landmass. Now, obviously, the British were a naval power. And this was why he wrote the document. It was a caution to the crown. You cannot remain a naval power and think that you're going to maintain dominance over the Eurasian landmass because transportation is going to is going to change. It has. Train transportation has gotten better. Uh, car transportation has gotten better, which was an afterthought at the time. Uh, air Airspace you know, transportation has gotten much better, right? So that whole deal is has shifted. His theory was that if you controlled the heartland, he who controls Eastern Europe controls the heartland. He who controls the heartland controls the Eurasian world island, which makes up about 50% of the world's resources. America adopted Great Britain's foreign policy after World War II. I've said it before. I said it again. People talk about why I go back to World War II. Oh, what does World War II have to do with today? Nothing except your global elites all believe they're Atlanticists. They all believe that they're still serving in the interest of the Atlantic Charter. You can go look it up. When when Churchill came to Roosevelt and said, we need your help or else the German war machine is going to reach every corner of the earth. Roosevelt gave him that concession, said we'll help. But the deal was you have to relinquish your colonial power. Well, the British were smarter than us because they were an older culture and empire than we were. And Churchill said, "Okay, we'll relinquish our power, but we'll send all our academics into your universities. And ever since that day that that charter was signed, we've been serving at the interest of British intellectuals, European intellectuals, and we've done their bidding. This is why we can't divorce ourselves from Israel, which was a, 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 a relationship that the British instantiated. This was territory that the British gave to the Jews. This wasn't this wasn't America's deal. We adopted the deal. And why did they need America to be in on the deal? Because a Russia-China alliance was, uh, I mean, a Russia-German alliance was one of three springboards that Mackinder said would lead to world domination. The German-Russian alliance, a Russian empire that took over Eastern Europe, and a uh, uh, Sino-Russia a Sino-Russia allegiance. At the time, that power was Japan, was seen more as Japan, but now China has emerged as that player in Asia, an Asia and Eastern Asia and Russia alliance. Well, that's what the Iron Triangle is. That's what the Iran, Russia, and China alliance is. And they are, they're reversing that theory. And yeah, it's completely plausible that Iran doesn't take a piss without China knowing. Why? Because China is half of Iran's GDP. billion economy. Texas has a $2 trillion economy. Half of that economy is selling oil products to the Chinese. So China can't take, I mean, Iran can't take a piss without China. Hamas can't take a piss without Iran. This is the reality. So yeah, the question is, the, the very important question is, why do we still have political elites that are full, full, um, fully 
in support of our relationship with China. If we're going to go to the root cause, if Iran says death to America because America supports Israel and they have a hard on for Israel, why is it that we're in full support of China knowing full well they are the juice behind Iran? I'll tell you why. Because some of the people in this country, some of the people high up in power in this country would love to see McKinder's World Island Theory come to fruition, even if it's a China-centric even if it's a China-centric future. And they show that with their actions. Joe Biden, Barack Obama, the Clintons, the Bushes, the list goes on and on of American elites who show they would be completely fine with getting a sweet, handsome payday to let China become the center of the future. And it's gonna be totalitarian. It's gonna be a police state. It's gonna be tyranny. That's fine by them. Royce, you've said a mouthful, and, and I don't mean to diminish it. I'm just telling you what ran through my mind as you said that. It's a hell of an explanation, and, and to me, it helps me, and I apologize up front for, for saying this because yeah. I know you don't like to talk about uh, the bread and circus, but to me, listening to that explanation and, and listen, me sitting there going, and LeBron James is in bed with the Clintons and the Obamas, and he's in bed with China. And, and so I'm just trying to get my audience to understand it on, the, on a level that maybe they're most comfortable with in terms of all of these elites, like a LeBron James, like the Clintons, like they're comfortable with China's dominance of the world. And, and this is what I'm saying. We got to... This is why I'm so hard on idolatry, because we have these athletic idols that we follow behind and we take our signals and cues from, and we think, oh, LeBron grew up poor in Akron, and so he can relate to me. And LeBron doesn't even know fully that he's being used and that he has a elite athlete's understanding of China. Again, Royce, mm-hmm. you, you know this well. No, at this well, point. Well, he does I, because. At, at this point, we, 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 we were willing to grant him that, you know, over the years. We've been willing to grant him that, that, that sort of uh, uh, that thinking that he doesn't know. At 40 years old, and look, I'm not saying that his handlers aren't smart enough to keep the important information away from him because I'm an athlete myself. I know how that kind of works. Um, but at this point, I think he knows. I'm just going to be honest. LeBron James knows very well the geopolitical implications of his corporate relationships, of of what's happening in the world. It's not by accident that BLM is pro-Hamas. And and I want to speak to that because I think with Amari Stoudemire, Amari is another one of LeBron's fellow NBA players who obviously has a personal relationship in Israel because he was a resident there and, and he has citizenship and so on and so forth. But even he, in his personal perspective, now has to rail against LeBron in the, in the accepted narrative of BLM. And that's going to continue to happen. You're going to see these narratives start to clash together and, and not, not stand up. And then people will start to just lie in order to hold up the, the, the scam, right? They'll just start all out lying. And then you'll look up and you'll go, man, he's really willing to just lie like that? And then the, the establishment looks at you and goes, yeah, but you can't quit watching. 
you can't turn it off. So we, we kind of got you. We really don't have to tell you the truth. We would just prefer to be able to tell you the truth. If we have to lie, we'll do it. Um, you know, BLM is is all free Palestine, and there's a huge pro-black uh, movement in America that sees Palestine as the oppressed as the oppressed people. And don't get me wrong, if you look at the if you look at the map from when Israel when when Israel was um, constituted as a nation, the map has definitely grown in one direction. The Israelis are pushing the Palestinians into smaller and smaller space. That can't be refuted. Anybody who doesn't want to acknowledge that is probably working, is shilling, okay? The Palestinians are getting pushed into smaller space. Um, however, um, the Palestinians, um, you, you can't take women and children, right? There are righteous and divine wars. There are holy wars. And I think much of Western society in modern society has become soft, weak uh, to the to idea that there are wars that must be fought. And, and I'm not saying that the Palestinians don't have a right to, to view Israel's occupation as an oppression and rise up against them. But when you show that lack of restraint and that lack of moral code, moral ethics, uh, you're no better than the animals. And it's and, and what's what's hard about it is, again, we come to this two narrative fork in the road that everybody wants us to accept. But we as Americans and even Israel have participated in brutal atrocities that that included women and children and elderly and innocents. And so we find ourselves down this road of moral hazard where people have trouble showing restraint. And that's part of a much bigger plan, one that could only be metaphysical, one that can only be satanic in nature, where you get everybody fighting each other and there are no more good choices to make. There are no more safe moral, righteous choices to make. And that's the road we're at. So when Nikki Haley and Jordan B. Peterson and, and all of these other people, some who we respect and like, others who we've known are, are in on it the whole time, LeBron James, oh, I didn't know, or we don't have all the information. You have enough information. These people aren't stupid. And I'm not comparing LeBron James to Jordan B. Peterson, but ironically, you'll see them fall along a similar line when it comes to this issue. Um, when they say we have to destroy Hamas completely, you cannot get rid of Hamas completely when you've circled two million Palestinians into one small area without killing a big number of them, right? I mean, if we're talking about defeating Hamas as getting rid of two million Palestinians, that's not a response. That's not a retaliation. That's not retribution. That is genocide. I mean, that's just as, as well, plain as I can make, make it. But haven't we already been down this path again? This is where my skepticism goes. I can't remember what came first, Al-Qaeda or the Taliban. Or, mm -hmm. or maybe they were both around, but it just seems like, hey, let's destroy Al-Qaeda and then we got Taliban. Or let's destroy the Taliban and then we got Al-Qaeda. If, if, if you destroy Hamas, something's going to replace it. It'll just be under a different name and a different brand. It feels like we've been down this path before, no? Well, we haven't been down this path. Yes, we've been down the path of the narrative that they give us on Fox and MSNBC. Absolutely right, we have. What is unexplored is this very, very dark, pernicious theory, intuition, that both Hamas and Israel 
both the Palestinians and the Jews, both the Americans and the Russians may be pawns in a much bigger game of a sophisticated group that want to push us into world war. One benefactor, two, two, two party narrative, two choice narrative, one benefactor, okay? That maybe Hamas is under the control of the same people who say that they support Israel. And we see remnants of that. I mean, Joe Biden knowingly gave $6 billion to the Iranians. What did he think they were going to do with the money? When he supports China writ large, when he shackles American energy, he knows he drives the cost of oil up and puts extra cash in the hands of the Iranians and the Russians. And the Russians know when he makes those type of policy choices, the Iranians know that he's doing them a favor. And Israel knows it. Okay, what about the Saudis? Don't forget, this whole thing is a proxy war region. The Saudis and the Iranians hate each other, jockeying for position. All of a sudden, the BRICS invites and brokers a peace between the Saudis and the Iranians. Then, two weeks ago, America, India, uh, Saudi, uh, the Saudis, and Israel announced they're doing a rail and port initiative, which is supposed to be the counter to Belt and Road. They're going to build a port, a rail system, from India through Saudi Arabia, up through uh, Israel, into Europe, so that they can get off of Chinese goods and start to move India, Indian goods. And all of a sudden, we have a bombing. We have an attack. Now, I don't know who's, I don't know who's behind the attack. And I think part of that is a smokescreen to try and find the smoking gun and speculate who's behind the attack. Who benefits? The question is, who benefits? Follow the money. Who benefits? We are being led towards world war. And right now, the Palestinians and the Jews, the Israelis and the Palestinians are both being used as pawns in a game to divide and conquer along these very important political lines. And really, people should be saying, defund the Patriot Act, repeal the Patriot Act, defund the military industrial complex, defund these international agencies that have been charged and given money to govern and make sure that these, this, this type of thing doesn't happen, that peace, peace is kept. Okay, why aren't they kicking, why haven't they made a resolution to kick Russia and China off? This is really gonna blow people's mind. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm passionate about this. Because I have, I look, I have many Muslim friends. I have many a Jewish friends, family, people I view as family. And for some reason here in America, my Muslim and Jewish friends could sit in a room, cross from each other and have a whiskey, have a cigar. My Muslim friends would be a little slower to drink the whiskey. But you know what I mean? We could enjoy a good time together as men. Why hasn't anybody um, brought the resolution to kick Russia or China off of the United States, uh, the United Nations Security Council. Why are the Russians and the Americans on the brink of nuclear war with no diplomatic peace talks, yet we're still collaborating on space initiatives? Why are those initiatives between Q and tail? Okay, now we're talking about stuff that could get us clipped. I like this. You called me this morning. You said, let's go all the way there. Here we go. Uh, uh, Q and tail, right? The CIA's own hedge fund, basically. Why is the CIA and the Russians and Elon Musk all doing initiative together in space still if we're on the brink of nuclear war? I mean, these are just questions that you can look it up. I mean, they're not hiding it. These are just questions to ask yourself. If it's so dire, if the crisis is so dire, 
that we're going to go and now kill 2 million Palestinians in order to get rid of Hamas. Why are we still doing business with the Russians? Because they just did the same thing to Ukraine, didn't they? I mean, these are the questions that people need to ask themselves. Royce, I want to circle back to just something I brought up and want mm-hmm. your take on. Mm-hmm. And the the until there's transparency from our government, we're always just going to live in a state of confusion, in a state of cynicism, in a state of skepticism. And, and, and I ended up circling all of this conversation back to, and I know some people, it won't be offensive to you, but other people will be offended by it. But, but, but I'd come away from all of this and, and say, this is why I can't give up on Donald Trump, it is, is because the establishment wants to do everything in secret, I'll never trust them, and, and flaws and all, at least Trump, and again, don't like the way he handled COVID, don't like the way he promotes the vaccine or whatever, but at mm-hmm. least he's authentic, and at least he's telling us that the global elites and the establishment have rigged up a game that exploits you and benefits them. I, I come away from all of this controversy. That, that's where I'm at three, four, five days into Israel versus Hamas. We need yeah. Trump. Well, look, Donald Trump has a lot of flaws. Nobody in our movement has, has claimed that Donald Trump is a, is a messiah or a savior or a perfect candidate. In fact, my very good friend and, and mentor, Steve Bannon, who helped put together the strategy that got Donald Trump elected, has said from the very beginning that Donald Trump is not a perfect candidate. He's not a perfect person. He is a blunt instrument. And where his ego is strong, where his, his, uh, his, his sense of, of self-confidence and even self-righteousness in some ways is strong is exactly where the establishment hates him. All the other flaws included, and that's something that the Americans need to separate the signal from the noise, that American citizens need to separate the signal from the noise. Where he is strong, where he is strong, where his ego is strong, where he is ego-driven, and some people would say an egomaniac, is exactly what makes him dangerous because he believes in his own opinion enough to question the entire strength of the global narrative at certain points in time. The vaccine, okay, and maybe he comes away from that position. Certainly, I would hope so personally. Never been vaccinated, never will get vaccinated. Over my dead body. The lockdowns, another one. Actually, the lockdowns weren't of his doing. That was some other people that he put that in charge of that, that sort of pushed lockdowns, if you remember. Donald Trump said that locking us down, he cautioned that locking us down would do more harm than good. Nobody likes to recognize that ex post facto because it's convenient for the New York Times. Um, but yes, and, and, here, and, and I'll say this too. He's honest enough. He's honest enough to be dangerous. He's honest enough to broker peace. And that's important. That's an important signal. Ukraine and Russia, we just want the, we just want the killing to stop. Abraham Accords. We just want there to be a peace for a man that they say is so crazy and dangerous uh, to democracy. He certainly has brokered a lot of peace, hasn't he? Or at least tried to. And his opponents are the ones that seem to be undoing it. Now we're going to go door to door 
And, and don't forget now, BB Netanyahu was one of the first people to call and congratulate Joe Biden when the election was over and, and, and concede that he won. Why? BB's a killer. He's a spy. He's, a, he's, a, he's exactly who Vladimir Putin was in Russia. Ex-special forces, ex-military, spy, assassin. His secrets have secrets. You can't trust him. He's playing every side against the middle for the interests of the American, uh, of, of the Israeli people and the Jews. I sure wish we had somebody like that in power here. Even if I disagreed with them, even if I didn't totally agree with the morality of their killer nature, I certainly wish we had somebody here like a Vladimir Putin, like a Bibi Netanyahu, where the interest of the American people came first. Why can we be Amer Why can we be Israel first, but we can't be America first? Why can we be Ukraine first, but we can't be America first? Why can we be Taiwan first or South Korea first, but we can't be America first? I'm not saying we can't help these nations. All I'm saying is we have a, a an emergency and a crisis here at home. And you see Kevin McCarthy, not to ramble on, Kevin McCarthy right away on cue. We got to support Israel. We got to bomb Hamas. Think about what they're advocating, Jason. And then they're going to let BB say that we get we set the air sirens on. This is a longstanding narrative there in, in Palestine and that conflict. We put the sirens on before we drop the bombs. Where are the Palestinians supposed to go? They're trapped. You, you set off the sirens where the bombs are going to hit. Where are they supposed to go? They can't cross Israel. Do you think a Palestinian can hear the air raid going off and say, guess what? I'm getting out of Palestine. I'm running across the Israeli-controlled border. You're making them run into a firing line. I mean, just the, the logic of the whole thing has been so grossly misrepresented, um, you start to believe that, that a lot of people are in on it and, and not so much ignorant to it. Royce, I'll give you a final thought if you have one, if some we didn't get to, or if not, I'm going to let you go. Yeah, I just want to say to everybody out there, free people all around the world, these are dangerous times, um, sad and somber times. It, wars will happen. Death will come. War is usually the war is usually um, the endeavor of kings and kingmakers and political elites, not everyday, uh, everyday ordinary people, everyday ordinary citizens, you, the free people out there. Your consent allows these people to negotiate on your behalf and broker war in, in the name of your prosperity and well-being. All we have to do is say enough. Here in America, there in Israel, there in Palestine, there in Russia, Ukraine, there in China, all the people have to do is stand up and say enough is enough, take back control of our government, and start to build proper guardrails so that things like this don't continue to happen into, into perpetuity, into the future. Thank you, Royce. Probably see you again later this week. Uh, let's play some tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seeds When we all wanna be free 